Welcome back to Row and Roper, the podcast brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm Ro Khan, radio and television host in Chicago, and he's Richard Roper, Chicago Sun-Times entertainment critic and former co-host of Ebert and Roper. Hope everyone's uh, gearing up and going to have a great Thanksgiving weekend, Ro. Uh, as we've been talking, everybody knows a lot of folks are going to be having the most unusual Thanksgiving of their lives. Maybe just two or three people, maybe just completely quarantined. So not only you know is it a long weekend, but you're probably going to have more time on your hands than you normally would. You're not going to be at the airport. You're not going to be making the long drive. Not going to be spending four or five days with family in most cases. So we wanted to give folks a, a, a bounty, a cornucopia, if you will, of some binge shows that are out there, some holiday fare that's just arriving. And then I want to tell folks, bro, about some great movies that are coming up available for home viewing. I know some theaters are remaining open across the country. Here in Chicago, we had some theaters that were open. Most of them have now locked down again, unfortunately. We hope within the next month or so they'll be open again. But the great thing is there are a lot of really, really good movies coming out, and you will be able to watch them from the comfort and safety of your home. And let's start with some binge shows that are out right now that if you haven't seen, everybody else is talking about. Maybe you want to catch up on them. And among my favorite is The Crown. You don't have to be a royal lover because I'm really not. I'm always puzzled by that because we fought a war so we didn't have to care about the Queen of England. <laughs> you know, the, I'm, I'm with you on that. I've got some friends. If anything has anything to do with the royals, whether it's a TV show or a movie or a book, they're all over it. What I do like about The Crown, first of all, it's, it's extremely well done, and it's in season four. They've signed on row for at least two more seasons, so we're, I guess we're going to get to see – you know, Prince Charles at, at the age of 107, still waiting for mom to die so he can get six months in the throne. But I know that this season is mostly about the Princess Diana years. This particular season has a lot of intrigue in the beginning. It kind of picks up where the last season left off with Princess Margaret being a wild child, even though now she's middle-aged, so she's a wild middle-aged child. Then we get to meet Diana Spencer, Lady Diana Spencer, and find out from inside how really reluctant Prince Charles was to get involved in a relationship with her. He was actually interested in another woman, the woman he eventually married after Princess Diana's death. And Princess Diana, after her divorce from Prince Charles, freely talked about that, that there was somebody else in the marriage at all times. And you get to see sort of a behind-the-scenes look at how that whole thing unfolded, including during the rehearsal of their royal wedding which was the television event of the century. We lived through this, of course, Ro, and it, you know, when you look at the life of Diana, such a star-crossed life, and it was painted and portrayed as this fairy tale on one level, but even before her absolutely tragic and horrific death, there were signs, obviously, even through television interviews and reports that not all was what it seemed. Another thing about The Crown is, of course, you don't have to watch the first three seasons because it's real life. You know what happened. So that's why I've been able to pick up on it. You know, there are certain series where people say to me, do I need to watch it from the beginning? And the answer is a resounding yes. You can't just pop in the season four of Mad Men. You can't just say, oh, watch the last season of The Sopranos. Most great dramatic series. You got to start at the beginning. But I think in the case of The Crown, you don't. A prince and princess on their wedding day. But fairy tales usually end at this point with the simple phrase, they lived happily ever after. Our faith sees the wedding day not as the place of arrival, but the place 
where the adventure really begins. Speaking of Queens, Queens Gambit is probably the hottest thing on over-the-top television right now. Yeah, I have to say, Ro, I pride myself on identifying what are going to be like the, the buzzworthy shows when I, because as folks know, I think by now, I'm doing as much reviewing of TV and streaming shows as I am of the movies. I love to get an early look at a show and share it with the world and say, that, and I've missed on two this year, though. When I saw Tiger King on Netflix, I thought, well, you know, these idiots are kind of interesting, but I'm rooting for the tiger by halfway through episode one. I didn't see it taking the culture by storm the way it did. And I got to say, the same thing happened, Ro, with The Queen's Gambit. I watched the first two episodes about a month ago. I thought it was really well done, very well acted. It's about this chess prodigy in the 50s, and then it takes us through the 60s. starts with her as a very young girl and then as a young woman. But I did not see it as something that was going to captivate the nation. I, I was wrong. I missed the boat because this right now is the the binge show that everyone's talking about. And I think if people start on it and they go, oh, it's about chess. You know, it, it's about chess in the way we talked about Rocky in the last episode. And, you know, when you go back and look at Rocky, it's about 15 minutes of boxing and an hour and 45 minutes about the characters. And that's how it is with most sports or competition movies. Here it's done in kind of a beautiful mind style where we see this incredible intellect and chess natural ability of the main character. But there's so much more going on. And, man, the production design of this is just absolutely gorgeous. Takes a lot of twists and a lot of turns. The star of this, Anya Taylor-Joy, is going to be a household name, not just because of this, but many of the other projects she's working on as well. She was in uh, Peaky Blinders. Not a household name yet, but you're right, about to be. And there are certain scenes in this series where I watch it and I go, well, they should dust off room on the shelf for her Emmy. I really think she's probably the lead contender to win for Best Actress. Although, as we've seen over the years, the Emmy categories are so jam-packed with great performances because all these great actors and actresses are getting these these huge roles. But yeah, The Queen's Gambit right now, I think, Ro, is the number one binge watch. So again, if you are going to Zoom with your family or even go to a, a small Thanksgiving dinner, that's probably a show that's going to come up. And it's a limited number of episodes. It's not season after season after season at this point. And you start to almost want to learn how to watch chess on television. When poker started being played on television, I'm like, who is going to sit and watch people play cards on television? How wrong was I about that? Now, seeing this, you think maybe chess will become a more popular American television game. It certainly is in Europe. You're watching Chess TV, brought to you by a grant from, I can see it coming now. Who thought that stars dancing would actually work? Yeah. That's another one I really missed uh, you know, more than a decade ago. I thought, well, this will last one season. I was wrong on that. And you're right. I mean, right now, cornhole or beanbag, you know, where they toss the beanbags into the, into the thing, that's on TV all the time now. And I love these guys have, like, gloves and sponsors. You know, the, you know the, the, the typical guy that looks like he plays beanbag looks like the guy you see in the parking lot of the Bears game. Nothing wrong with that. But it's a sporting event now, so why not chess? And you're right. It's only seven episodes and I've had a lot of people ask me this. It's not actually based on a true story. It's just a beautiful work of fiction. Here's another series I am completely captivated by on HBO, The Undoing, which, as HBO does, is being dribbed and drabbed at us. We're getting one episode a week, and I can't wait to get to that episode. By the time we get through Thanksgiving, you can watch now. I think it'll be six hours of it. That's the finale airing on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And this is uh, another one of those in the kind of the tradition of big little lies and little fires everywhere where you get these big name stars in this lurid, juicy murder mystery based on a popular novel. That's the formula for these. And in this case, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant 
who both became movie stars around the same time in the early 1990s, believe it or not, 30 years ago, are just at the top of their star power game. This is a murder mystery. It's set in the upper class, the 1% of Manhattan. Nicole Kidman looks amazing. Hugh Grant is great. Uh, I think he's sometimes at his best when he plays characters who are outwardly the Hugh Grant persona, but might not be such great guys when we start peeling back the layers. You know what I love about this? You could never tell they were rich. It's all so classy and understated. I'll make it up to you later. Make it up to me now. Let's find a room. They must have a few. You're so bad. At one point, the world's sexiest man. Yeah. He really does look like an aging guy now who's got the world on his shoulders. At least that's what they've done with his character. But I think it's a really brave thing that he's doing by playing against that type. Yeah, well, Hugh Grant was always a little bit of a reluctant leading man. I mean, he knew how to do it, and he was the best at it, but always wanted to be remembered and you know respected as an actor, which he is. So I think he is the type of leading man. He doesn't care that he looks his age, or even maybe, like you said here, Ro, they almost make him look a little bit older than he really is because that's what the character's all about. Donald Sutherland, who is on every television show and in every movie that you could possibly watch, he will absolutely get an Emmy nomination for this. He may actually get the Emmy win for Best Supporting Actor. Plays Nicole Kidman's father, a man of great power and wealth. And there's a scene, even on podcast, I don't feel comfortable saying the word, but he tells uh, the head of the school, where his grandson attends, that uh, Donald Sutherland refers to himself as a something sucker. And says it about himself in a way that you're like, oh my God, it's incredible. But it's one of those scenes where you're like, yeah. Hand them the trophy right there. If you just want to stay with the big four networks, ABC has Big Scott. Yeah, I really wanted to talk about this, Ro, because good old-fashioned television sometimes still delivers their binge-worthy shows, but you don't get to binge them unless you save them all to the end because they come out once a week. This series is created by David E. Kelly, who has given us so many great series, uh, Ally McBeal and uh, The Practice and Big Little Lies, and we just talked about The Undoing. And it's, it's, it's set... In the big sky country of Montana, two teenage sisters go missing, and off we go on this procedural. And it's it's not quite as dark and uh, twisted as Twin Peaks, Row, but it has a little bit of that vibe. And this is one, I got to see the first couple episodes, and as a viewer, I've actually set the good old DVR to record it every week because I really want to see how this plays out. Really good, interesting stuff. It's got a cast with a lot of character actors. You might not know their names, but you've seen them a million times before. John Carroll Lynch is somebody that's been in tons of stuff. Dee Dee Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer's sister, who's a terrific actress. But the leads are Catherine Winnick and Kylie Bunbury, and I'm telling you, they both have movie star quality about them. Watch these two actors in the years to come. Big Sky on ABC. Coming up in a minute, we're going to hear from Emily in Paris star Lily Collins and talk about some Thanksgiving movies you should share with the kids and some you shouldn't. Today, every business is digital. From SEO to e-commerce, AmericanEagle.com delivers innovative website design, development, and digital solutions, driving business growth for their clients. AmericanEagle.com's 20-year partnership with WeatherTech, the global leader in some of the most innovative products in the automotive protection industry, focuses on building and maintaining an e-commerce platform that converts their website traffic into sales revenue. 
with a focus on advanced functionality and navigation, ease in finding specific products, and engaging content. Their e-commerce platform provides a great user experience, accelerating WeatherTech's tremendous growth over the last two decades. A customized mobile app that works on any device provides the same satisfying e-commerce experience. AmericanEagle.com also hosts the website in their data center, providing safe, secure, and efficient support for billions of transactions for customers all over the globe. AmericanEagle.com provides website design and development and e-commerce solutions for all kinds of businesses in many different industries. When your business needs to think more digital, talk to AmericanEagle.com, building your digital mindset. Call AmericanEagle.com at 877-WEB-NOW-1 or visit AmericanEagle.com. One of the hottest stars on Netflix is Lily Collins, and she's Emily in Paris. Emily Cooper. Bonjour. Bonjour. I got a feeling I'm in trouble when I look at you. Uh, I'm Emily. You're a new neighbor? Enchanté. Because once I do it, yeah, I know I'll never get enough. So, you've come to teach the French some American tricks? Never get enough. Has anyone noticed this is a very dysfunctional workplace? I think you're the one bringing the drama. Lily Collins is a wonderful actress. Uh, for folks who don't know, she is the daughter of Phil Collins of Genesis and Phil Collins fame. Here's a story for you, Roe. I went back and looked through the Richard Roper archives, which actually exists at the Sun-Times. God bless him. Uh, in 1991, the Sun-Times sent me to New York to interview Phil Collins, who was a huge star at the time. He was selling out the Nassau Coliseum five straight nights. And I sat down, had this interview with Phil Collins, but I mentioned in the interview that he and his wife were traveling with their one-and-a-half-year-old baby, Lily. That's Lily Collins, who's now uh, one of our top actresses and, and, and really having a moment right now. So Emily in Paris has become one of those shows. I know I, I don't want to gender stereotype, but listen, it, it's, it's from the creator of Sex and the City. Some people are saying it's a modern-day Sex and the City. She plays Emily, who's a, a PR marketing person here in Chicago, where you and I are doing the show, and then she gets a job. In Paris. In fact, Netflix wants you to call, uh, call the show Emily in Paris, but I won't do that. It's Emily in Paris. <laughs> Lily Collins has kind of, a, you know, that Audrey Hepburn, you know, style and look to her. So she gets to model all these fashions. Now, I know some young women who are hate watching this. They have fun, like saying, oh, my God, those clothes are so over the top and all the, you know, the melodrama and everything. But it, it, it is as light as can be. And it's just sweet, and entertaining. And it has become a huge hit. In fact, they've already renewed Emily in Paris for a second season. And in fact, this is a Lily Collins moment, Ro, because she's basically on the homepage of Netflix in two projects that couldn't be more different. She's in Emily in Paris, which is light, pastel colors, romantic adventures, modern set in current day. And she also has a key supporting role in Mank, which is in black and white and goes into lots of dark stuff. And she plays the uh, British, basically the secretary typist with Mankiewicz as he's going through all his demons, is writing the screenplay for Citizen Kane. And I actually had a chance to talk to Lily Collins about the fact that she's in such different projects, and she was actually doing them at the same time. It was definitely difficult to kind of figure out the scheduling of it all, but ultimately such different characters that I found it more manageable to decipher between the two of them. Uh, otherwise, if they were if they were both in modern day and similar and not different accents, I think I would have mixed up lines but there's no way Rita would say anything <laughs> yeah. Emily would say <laughs> there's just no way 
she's also going to be one of the great stars of the 2020s. Absolutely. She's got everything, you know, the, the likability. Uh, she just photographs so beautifully, and she's a, a terrific actor. She's also a writer. She's somebody that I think is going to be a force in Hollywood behind the camera as well as in front of the camera, Row. Since you mentioned Mank, let's talk about movies people can watch over this weekend and next weekend. Mank has now been pushed back to December 4th. But there's a lot of great fare for families and also for the adults. A lot of great stuff that's already out there, Ro. Uh, and you mentioned Mank. It got the traditional theatrical release partially because, of course, Netflix sees this as an Oscar contender. The director is David Fincher, who did Social Network and tons of other great movies through the years. Seven. He, he's always a master of visuals. And this is the story of the writing of Citizen Kane. Mankiewicz was the screenwriter. Gary Oldman plays him. It's in glorious, beautiful silver tones of black and white. It's funny. It's dark. It's rich with scenes, great characters, a lot of them based on real-life characters. And we mentioned Lily Collins in there. Amanda Seyfried plays Marion Davies. Uh, and it's all about the writing of Citizen Kane. In a, and it's shot in a way that's very similar to the film itself, to Citizen Kane. So Mank is playing right now on Netflix. We also have Fat Man and Freaky. These are two separate movies, but I like the idea of a single title. These are fantastic. Both of these available right now in video on demand. I, I, I don't want to say Fat Man's fantastic because it's not. But, you know, ever since Mel Gibson had that sort of public meltdown about a decade ago, Ro, he's been playing crazy people in movie after movie. I think he's just embracing his nuttiness. So in Fat Man, he plays Chris Kringle, both with C's, Chris Kringle, and he lives way up north and he has a toy shop. So, yeah, he's basically Santa Claus. But he's also an alcoholic, and he's now being targeted by an assassin because this little boy, this rich little brat, keeps getting coal every year, and he's had it. So he hires a hitman to take out the fat man. There is a rising number of our youth making poor decisions. What the big man's head? Severed heads rot, they mold. They don't want his beard. I'm not shaving off a dead man's beard. So half of this movie is this sort of fantastical Santa story. The rest is this bloody, R-rated, violent thriller where Fat Man has to fend off an assassin as the body count piles up. And it almost works. It almost works. Just if nothing else, I implore the folks out there in podcast land, just go look at the poster for this or the trailer because you'll think this is a fantastic Saturday Night Live skit. It has to be an SNL skit. Mel Gibson as Fat Man. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I've lost my influence. Maybe it's time I retired the coat. You still have it. Some kids with a deer rifle put two holes in the sleigh, one in me. All I have is a loathing for a world that's forgotten. You better not pout. You better not cry. Not with this fat man, let me tell you. All right, so Vince Vaughn is in Freaky. Freaky's actually ingenious, Ro. You know, we've had these body switch movies for decades, whether it's Freaky Friday or even movies like Big and The Switch. And here's the twist on Freaky. Vince Vaughn plays a serial killer, and he trades bodies through the usual mystical curse with a teenage girl. So for most of the movie, Vince Vaughn, we're seeing him physically on screen, but he's playing a teenage girl. And then the teenage girl is in Vince Vaughn's body, and Vince Vaughn's in the teenage girl's body. And I know it sounds crazy, but Vince Vaughn is actually really good as a six-foot-five, maniacal-looking teenage girl. 
And Freaky is actually really good. It's one of the best Freaky Friday reboots, twists ever done. The idea of a serial killer switching places with a teenage girl. And it's done in kind of the, the fashion of Scream. You know, the Scream movies where it's very self-aware. And sometimes that goes overboard, but I think they did a great job here. Look, I know I look like the butcher, but it's Millie. He's crazy. Okay, Booker, can you look at me, please? Booker! Try a bitch. Booker, help! Booker! Will you shut up? <laughs> Booker! This holiday weekend, there are a lot of kids around the house. Those two movies are not movies the kids should see. <laughs> unless, unless you want to lose custody of the kids or have them you know, up all night having nightmares. Do not let them see Fat Man or Freaky. But I got to tell you, Ro, this is shaping up already to be one of the best years in recent memory for original content, family-friendly, often holiday-friendly movies. Uh, I want to start with Jingle Jangle, which has already become... Uh, a monster hit on Netflix since it was released a couple of weeks ago. And it's, it's a beautiful, it's a musical fantasy film. Uh, I think, and I'm not saying it's the same quality because almost nothing is, but it has a little bit of echoes of Hamilton to it. I mean, it, it's it's shot as a movie, but you could tell it was originally written as a stage play. It was, it never became a stage play, but it has that great Broadway musical quality to it. And the other really cool thing about this is it's a little bit of a Christmas carol. It's a little bit of a, oh, oh, it's a wonderful life. It's a primarily African-American cast. And you think about how few of those we've had around the holiday season. I think this one could become a perennial. This is not to be confused with the 2017 movie Jingle Jangle. No, this is the full title of this is called Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. That's the one people want to look for. And one of the revelations in this row is that uh, Forrest Whitaker can sing. I'm gonna make it work again. Try to fix every part that's broken. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make it work again. Every little hour that I spend is gonna be worth it in the end. If I just get it, I just get it to work again. He plays the old toy maker, inventor in this movie, and he has a couple of musical numbers. And I'll tell you, if you watch the first 10 minutes, there's about a six-minute extended musical sequence, which is as good as anything I've seen on Broadway or in the movies in the last 20 years. All my life I knew it's in this day. I two or three numbers here that will have you wanting to dance. Get off the couch and dance. Do it, folks. So that's on Netflix, also on Netflix, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. This is another movie that looks a lot like a play, Row. In fact, it has the kind of the, the corny, sweet, warm-hearted feel of some movie you would have watched on Sunday night back in the day. In these troubled times where people are disagreeing about everything, I think we're all unified in saying that Dolly Parton is an American treasure. She's just the best, and this is her production. She wrote 14 original songs for this, and this is directed by Debbie Allen, Ro, the great choreographer. People remember all the way back, you know, the TV series Fame. She choreographed and directed. It's a super corny story. It's all about somebody's going to buy up the town and sell it for a mega mall, and it's very Scrooge-like, but then there's going to be revelations, and Dolly Parton literally plays a guardian angel, so it has that kind of It's a Wonderful Life vibe. But it's so sweet. And this is one you really can watch with the whole family. 
Everybody needs an angel. Everybody needs a friend. Hey, get that chin up off of the floor. That don't look good on you. Why, you've got a way too many colors to go around showing only the blue. You're gonna fool around and lose your magic talking that negative talk. How am I ever gonna learn to fly if I can't even walk the walk? Let's talk. You know, we've talked about Dolly Parton a lot in this podcast series. But even though she's a great country music performer, she's really a talented actress. Perfectly cast here. She's literally covered in spangles and silver and jewelry, and she gets to float above the proceedings because she's an angel. So it's like it's just it's just great to see her. And on Disney Plus, there's a reboot of Black Beauty. You know, Ro, Black Beauty was written in 1877, and there have been so many adaptations of it, including a great Disney film from the 90s. So my thought was, oh, do we really need another Black Beauty? And I've seen the film, which will be available on Disney Plus by Thanksgiving weekend. And I got to tell you, it's fantastic. I love this movie. It's First of all, it's just absolutely gorgeously photographed. And it has taken a lot of liberties and turns with it. Uh, the title horse, the main horse, known as Beauty or Black Beauty, is voiced by Kate Winslet. But it's not one of those things where the horse is talking. It's a narration from the heart and soul and mind of this beautiful animal and the relationship she has with Joe, the famous you know character, who's played by Mackenzie Foy, who's one of our finest young actors if people saw interstellar she played young murph the daughter of uh, matthew mcconaughey and in interstellar she's now 20 years old and she has everything it takes to become a movie star she's wonderful in this the photography here is just absolutely breathtaking row and the the beauty and the majesty of the horses and the adventures that black beauty has i gotta tell you it's one of my favorite movies of the year it definitely is family fair yes some people might be rolling their eyes because it's so sentimental but i don't know how you can see black beauty and not tear up if you watch this movie and you stay dry-eyed you're dead to me how's she doing she barely speaks to me. I don't need your sympathy, Uncle Don. That Mustang's got a real mean streak. She's just angry. She was rounded up and taken away from her family. What's her name? I haven't given her a name yet. I heard you lost your family, too. You really are beautiful. That's what I'll call you. Black Beauty. It's so So on the next podcast, we're going to look at the 12 films of Christmas, all movies coming out in the coming weeks. I would say probably at least eight or nine of those are Oscar contenders, Ro. Just as is the case in the traditional movie-going season where we're going to the theaters, whether these are going to be available on home video. In some cases, maybe we'll be able to go to the theaters by the end of December. But some of the best movies of the year always come out in the last month of the year. That does it for this edition of Rowan Roper, the podcast. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, AmericanEagle.com Studios. For Richard Roper, I'm Ro Khan. See you next time.